let's dive into it. You can go ahead and open up your app if you'd like. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Grace. And the grace of God is such a broad topic um, that over the next few weeks, I hope to share the heart of grace rather than just giving you a definition for you to memorize. Uh, because when you read the scriptures, grace gets put into so many different areas um, in so many different settings. So I, I'll give you an example. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says that you are saved by faith through grace, not of any works of yourself, lest any man should boast or brag about it. In other words, you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe that he's your savior. You've accepted him as your savior. And then it's his grace that says, look, I know you're not perfect. I never expected you to be perfect. I can't wait to live in eternity in heaven with you. That is the grace of God. But for the next few weeks, I'm going to try to make it a little bit more tangible. If the Holy Spirit will help me and make it a little bit more real to you. Um, and uh, I believe it will encourage you. So let me start off by reading this passage. This is in Mark chapter 3 verse 7. Where it says, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River, even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide and vast numbers of people came to see him. So, uh, I, I want you guys to get this picture of thousands of people, literally every single day, are surrounding Jesus. If you've ever heard the story where Jesus fed 5,000 people with fish and loaves, and on another day, he fed 4,000 people with fish and loaves. Those days were not bring a friend Sunday. <laughs> right? Those crowds were always around Jesus. I mean, think about what I'm telling you. When Jesus would walk around, he would teach and heal people all day long. Um, people who were lame in their knees and broken legs since they were born, standing up and walking, blind eyes, opened ears, all day long. So people who didn't need a healing just wanted to be around to watch him do what he does. But he did so much all day. If you read the book of John, the very last verse in the, in the book of John, it's in chapter 21, verse 25, John writes, and Jesus did many more things than these. Surely if we wrote them all down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. He did miracles all day, every day, and thousands of people were gathered around him while he did what he did. 
In fact, if you read Mark 1, 2, and 3, Mark chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, you see that there's an actual sentence in there. I think it's in chapter 3 where it says that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat because the people were around so much that he would literally sneak off to go pray. But in spite of the fact that these thousands of people from all over the region were following Jesus, there was one particular person that was not permitted to be in the multitude. Sinners were allowed to be in the multitude. Non-believers were allowed to be in the multitude. People that would shout out while Jesus was talking and contest what he was saying were allowed to be in the multitude. The scum of the earth, what they called tax collectors because they were thieves. So not a lot has changed over the last 2,000. <laughs> so they were allowed to be in the multitude. But one person in particular was not permitted to be among them. And it wasn't because of Jesus. Jesus would have been fine if he would have been there. He would have loved for him to be there. It was the crowd. The thousands of people. One mind, one accord, complete unity would not allow this one person to be there. And it wasn't because he was evil. It wasn't because he was a jerk. It wasn't because he did something bad. It wasn't because he was a thief. It was only for this one reason, because his face looked disgusting. He looked disgusting. His face was so deformed that they couldn't even eat and look at him at the same time. They did. They, his mother would not associate with him. He looked disgusting. So he was not allowed to be in the multitude. The multitude of people hated this young man. But what breaks my heart while I was putting this message together is it dawned on me that nobody hated him as much as he hated himself. He knew he looked disgusting. And he wished that he was never even born. One day, Jesus was teaching and he did something very unusual. Typically, he taught around the Sea of Galilee. Um, if you read the Gospels, he, he went to one side of the sea, and then it says that he crossed over, and then he went to the other side, and then sometimes they call the Sea of Galilee a lake. Um, so anytime it says he went across the lake, it's talking about the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. It's, it's, it's a massive, so they call it a sea, but it, it's just a huge lake. And so he, he mostly stayed around Galilee. 
And that's why the surrounding regions would come see him because he stayed in that area. He kept moving though. He taught and he'd walk, he'd be walking and people would follow him and he'd go to different regions and people would follow him, but he stayed in that region. But on this particular day, he did something very unique. He started walking up a mountain and the, the four or 5,000 people started walking with him. He starts walking up this mountain, he sits down on a rock, and he starts teaching. Which would have not caught my attention on any other occasion until I was reading and I realized that this man, this disgusting man that the village people casted him out, he's up in the mountains. And he is feeding himself with any varmint that he can catch. And he looks across, and here's the interesting thing about Israel. Israel doesn't have trees. That whole Galilee area, there's very few trees. I've been there. Um, Take, for example, the Garden of Gethsemane is is smaller than this, uh, this sanctuary. And there's olive groves. So... I can probably jump and touch the top of every single olive tree. They grow out wide. And while I was there, it was interesting because the, our tour guide kept telling us, do not break a branch off the olive tree so that you can take it home and plant it in your backyard. And I was thinking, well, that thought never crossed my mind until now. <laughs> now all I can think about is wanting to break off a branch and bring it home. Uh, I went to the, uh, the valley of Armageddon. And once again, there's no trees. It's all rock everywhere. And she said, nobody here pick up a rock and take it home with you. And I was like, <laughs> so I'm looking at all these rocks. And I'm like, geez. She goes, if everybody grabbed one rock that came out here, there wouldn't be a, a valley of Armageddon. I was like, well, hey, that's an interesting point. But anyway, um, uh, so a pastor in our church went on an Israel trip and picked up a rock anyway and brought it back to me. I've got it in my office and I'm just kind of like, hey, no sin here. I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. But, but nevertheless, uh, Jesus took them up this mountain and he's teaching these thousands of people and this man that is supposed to stay away from everyone because he's so disgusting, these people are now coming into his area. And so he can see these thousands of people and he can see what's going on from a distance. And there's this man standing in the middle of all these people and he's teaching. And then he stops teaching and he reaches down and he touches someone sitting down listening and he can hear them. You know how voice travels in the mountains. I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see. He starts jumping up and down. And, and the, the, this, this man that's supposed to stay away. Whoa. And so he gets a little bit closer. But if one person out of 5,000 sees him, it's over. All of a sudden, this man stands up. He keeps on teaching. He touches a man. 
And he stands up and he starts jumping up. I can walk, I can walk, I can walk. And there's another miracle. And then all of a sudden the man said, all the crowd starts cheering and then they get quiet and he starts teaching again. And this goes on and on and on. He's getting closer and he's getting closer. He's hiding behind rocks. He's crawling over rocks. He's slipping from one cave to the next, trying to get as close as he can. And then he hears him teaching. He's now close enough to where he can hear what's being said. And his mind is blown because the way this person, it was Jesus, he didn't know it was Jesus, but the way he was teaching was blowing his mind because he had never heard anybody talk like that before, ever. It was the content, it was the authority, it was, it was, it was different. In fact, it was opposite of everything that he had ever heard. I'll give you an example. You've heard the law. Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And don't judge anyone for the same way you treat everyone else will be the way you're treated. And the same standard by which you judge people will be the standard by which you get judged. If you ever have a need, ask. Because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks on the door, the door will be open to you. You parents, if your child were to ask for a rock, if you were to ask for bread, rather, would you give them a rock? If your child were to ask for fish, would you give them a snake? Well, if you who are sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven Give good gifts to you who ask. He's never heard anybody say anything like this. He's lived his whole life with people judging him and speaking cruel to him and feeling like that was okay to treat him that way. And now this man who seems to be standing up for everybody that's like him, standing up and fighting for everyone that doesn't have their life just perfect. And he's sitting there and he goes, can this be real? And he's watching them heal people and then speak with such authority and then all of a sudden something happens and everything changes Jesus stands up and starts walking down the mountain don't look it up now but right after Jesus taught the sermon on the mount in chapter 7 verse 1 of chapter 8 says and Jesus started walking down the mountain verse 2 suddenly this man with leprosy comes running up to Jesus. 
because he's sitting there and he's watching. I have to do something. He runs up to Jesus, but when he runs up to him, he freezes. Don't read it right now. Read it when you get home. He freezes. He doesn't know what to do because he can feel 4,000 people staring at him, boring a hole through the back of his head with their eyes of judgment and condemnation saying, what are you doing here? And he doesn't know what to do. And so he drops to his knees. And he says something so interesting. He says, If you're willing, will you heal me and make me clean? So interesting. Because he didn't say, If you can heal me. He already knew that he could because he saw it with his own eyes. How did he know? See, everybody else knew that he could heal because of word of mouth. One friend tells another friend who tells another friend who tells another friend. He does not have any friends. One family tells another family member who tells another family member, everyone who has leprosy has to stay out of the city. It was law. He didn't know that he could heal any other way. He had to have seen it with his own eyes. So he knew that he could heal. But would he heal? I'll bet you there's some people in this room that can relate to that. You know that God can heal. You know that he's healed other people. You know that God can cause a financial blessing to come into your life. You've heard other people talk about it. You know that God can Cause your child who hasn't spoken to you to have a relationship with you. You've heard stories of what Jesus can do. You've heard stories of a guy and a girl meeting each other and then falling in love with each other. You know that it can happen. But is God willing to do it for you? That's where he was. And so he's on his knees and he says, if you're willing, will you do it for me? I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I, it, maybe it's just me. But whenever I pray and I ask for something, sometimes my mind goes to a friend of mine that has what I'm asking for. 
And so I know that God can do it. Or sometimes I'll think, I'll, I'll ask for something, and I'll think of a Bible story that Jesus did do that for somebody 2,000 years ago. So the issue is never, I wonder if God can. I already know he can. But will he do it for Will he? I'm so happy God gave you a new job. I'm so glad God gave you a, a wife. I'm so glad God gave you a raise. Praise the Lord. But what would he do it for me? Have you ever been there before? Say yes. Because that's where he is. But this is the part of the story that rocks me the most. Jesus touched him. Touching him was not necessary. He is being asked to heal. Jesus walks up to people and saw a lame man and said, grab your mat and stand up. Boom, healed. There's no reason for Jesus to touch anybody in order for them to be healed. One time he told somebody, it was, he goes, hey, your son is healed. Go on home. Your daughter is healed. Go on home. Never even saw her. Go on home. He doesn't need to touch anybody. But he knew that this person had never been touched. Do you know if any one of those 5,000 people touched this leper, it would have felt so good to him. Anyone, any touch from any person. But a touch from Jesus is different. See, when people touch Jesus, Jesus can feel virtue leaving his body. He can feel power leaving his body. He can feel love leaving his body. He can feel it. So when Jesus touches, something's happening. He touches him. And he feels a compassion and a love that he's never experienced before in his life. He asked to be healed, but he's feeling loved. And then he says, I'm willing. Be healed. If you look at the sequence of events, Jesus wanted him to know. I love you. Jesus wanted him to feel the love. I'm telling you right now, only one time in my life have I felt it. It was while I was sleeping. I think it was a dream. I'm not sure. But I was in his presence and I saw him. And his love is like wind. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And when you feel it, you don't care about anything else. I can't wait to feel it again. I only felt it once, and it was just for a few moments. I started crying in my bed. I woke up crying because I never wanted to leave it again. When you feel it, if that's all heaven was, oh. 
it would be heaven. Forget the streets of gold. He let him feel it. I'm talking about Jesus this morning. I'm talking about his grace. And here's my question. Do you know this man? Do you know him? I know you know him. You're in church. Even if somebody dragged you here, you know him. But do you know him like the way I'm talking about? Where it's intimate? Where it's beautiful? Where it's, you want to protect it with every fiber in your body? Do you know him like that? Because if you don't, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down here and get on your knees and say, I want to know you like that. If you say, I don't like doing things in front of people, I'm not trying to pressure you, but I'm just going to tell you, the Bible says that if you're afraid, ashamed of me in front of people, I'm going to be ashamed of you in front of my Father. So if you need to talk to Him and give Him your heart and give Him your life, and say, I have not been living right. We're going to get this straightened out right now. I love you. In a minute, I want you to come down and get on your knees. But there's this second category of people in this room that you need a healing. And you're wondering if he'll heal you. You know he's healed other people, especially if you've been coming to celebration. You hear a testimony every single weekend. Last Saturday, yesterday, we had a training for all of our prayer partners. And they were all sitting here in this section. This whole section was full. And there was a, a minister in the, that leads another ministry on the south side of town that wanted to come. And he said, I wanted to come because... We've never done a healing service at our church before, and tonight's going to be the first night. And he goes, I watch Celebration online, and I notice that you guys always do a testimony before you pray for people to build everybody's faith. And he goes, I'm nervous because I don't have any testimonies before I pray for people. So what he did is he got online and he went back on our services and he started clipping all the testimonies. Amen. And he strung them together. Last night, he had about 10 or 15 of your guys' testimonies up on a screen. And they watched your testimonies. And 13 people got healed last night. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, 13 people. One of the coolest ones was this lady was just sitting there watching the video and she felt the presence of God come all over her and she was healed sitting there watching the video. If you're sitting here and you need a healing in your body, you have come to the right place. If we've prayed for you before and you didn't get healed, I believe today's your day. 
And so in a minute when I say everybody stand, those of you who need to come kneel down, I want you to block everybody out, everybody out and come and spend a moment with God. But those of you who need a healing, I want you to come down and don't get on your knees. I want you to remain standing. And only the prayer partners that were in the training yesterday, only you guys, I want you to come and I want you to pray for the people that are standing. The only thing I ever ask is if you get healed at Celebration Church, that you email us and you tell us about it. You have no idea how much it encourages me to read those emails, how much it encourages our staff to read those emails. That's all I ask. Give God glory. And tell your friends about it because he deserves the glory. Would you all stand to your feet and come racing out of your seat? And those of you who need a healing, I want you to come as close as you can to me, to me. The rest of you, I want you to kneel down on the steps. But if you need a healing in your body, come as close as you can right here, right here. Shoulder to shoulder, please. Shoulder to shoulder in a straight line. Thank you, worship team, for coming on up. Um, we're, in a, we're in a season where church is not just about a band and a speaker. We're in a season, and I pray that it lasts forever, and I believe it will, where the Holy Spirit just moves in this place and touches people in a special, special way. I want you all to raise your hands right where you're at. Prayer partners, when you pray... I'd love to hear your testimony as well. Email the church and share your testimony as well. I know it may be duplicates because the person you pray for may be sending an email as well. and We'll have two, but it'll be so much fun to read from two different perspectives. With your hands raised. Holy Spirit. Some of you may get healed just while I'm talking to the Holy Spirit without a prayer partner praying for you. So just expect that. Holy Spirit, we love you. We can sense your spirit. We can sense you here right now. We can sense you here right now. Lord, I thank you because it's your spirit among us that separates us from the rest of the world. It's your spirit. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to move in this place, to touch minds, touch bones, rip cancer out of people's body in the name of Jesus Christ.